Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 16, Chapter 8, Part 1. Jimmy ran through the house, grabbing essentials while Michelle took care of baby Rachel. I can't get a hold of my father, Michelle cried. He won't pick up. You can't think of that right now. We have to focus on getting out of the city, Caprizi called back. We have to get to safety. What's going on? Michelle said, rushing into the living room with a day bag and a crying baby. What attacked the city? Jimmy turned to look at his terrified wife's face. Sir? Everything started to fade, the color washing away as the voice yanked Caprizi awake. Your Grace, we are receiving a transmission from the boss, Montoya said, gently tapping the bishop on his shoulder. Bishop Weibel stirred and looked out the transport windshield, then at the deacon. Well, about time. How late is he? Weibel asked. Two hours, Your Grace. Remind me to have him fed two pounds of his own flesh when this is all over, as penalty for making me wait. Of course, Your Grace, a fitting punishment. It is, isn't it? The bishop agreed, waving his hand impatiently. Put the boiler through. A grainy image of the boss appeared on the windshield. The boss stood in front of his transmitter array, his face red with anger and frustration as the bishop came up on his vid screen. You made me wait, boiler, Bishop Weibel sneered. I already warned you about calling me boiler. The boss growled. Yes, yes, you have. I ignored that warning since it came from cannibal trash like you. The bishop responded, rolling his eyes. Now, where are you, and why haven't you met us with the Caprizi woman? I won't be making it to your rendezvous point, the boss grumbled. The fucking mech bitch escaped in the night. Okay, what are we looking at, Jethro? Caprizi asked, sipping his coffee. The rest of the base personnel watched Jethro expectantly. 
Well, sir, this communication was intercepted and recorded in the night, Jethro responded, tapping at his tablet. Just watch and listen. They all watched as the vid was played of June being beaten. How long ago was this? Caprizi asked when the transmission was over. About eight hours, Jethro answered. So the bishop should already have June and be almost back to the mech base, right? Bisbee asked. Well, no, Jethro said. He's, here's the live feed from the base. You've had eight hours and she's still missing? The bishop asked, annoyance dripping from his words. This is why your, um, people will always be trash. Watch it, the boss warned. I may stop looking for her and start looking for you. The bishop exploded with laughter. Montoya offered a handkerchief and, the, and Weibel took it, dabbing at his eyes. The bishop took a couple deep breaths and composed himself. If she isn't in my hands in the next four hours, then I send everyone I have to wipe you and your mutants out of the wasteland once and for all. You see how the ranchers are slacking? Jethro pointed out on the vid feed. The bishop obviously isn't back, and it doesn't look like they're expecting him anytime soon. So what's your point? Harlow asked. Jethro looked to Caprizi, the commander sighed. His point is we may have time to rescue June. What? Rachel scoffed. She ran out on us. She fucking cut Steve and left him for dead. And she'll answer for that, pilot, Caprizi said, when she's safe. How far away are we? Bisbee asked, ignoring the Caprizis and focusing on Jethro. Well, that's the good news. Dr. Thermopolis stepped from the transport and away from the morning meeting. She wasn't a pilot and military logistics gave her a headache. Stretching, she turned about, taking in the vastness of the wasteland. Directly behind her stood Mastelo and several other Skinner men and women. The doctor jumped, a small, surprised squeak escaping her lips. Good morning, Mastelo greeted. I apologize for startling you. Thermopolis' hand to her chest smiled weakly. Good morning and no apologies necessary. The two watched each other for a moment until Mastelo cleared his throat. Is the commander available? Oh, yes, of course, Thermopolis answered. I don't care, baby girl, Caprizi shouted. You will be accompanying Pilot Bisbee on this rescue mission. You've got to be kidding me, Rachel yelled back. She doesn't deserve our rescue. Ahem, Thermopolis interrupted. What? The Caprizis shouted in unison. Thermopolis's eyebrows raised. Um, Mastelow would like to speak with the commander. Caprizi pushed past his daughter. Bisbee, plot a course with Jethro. Pilot Caprizi, ready yours and Bi Pilot Bisbee's mechs. The commander stormed from the transport. Rachel whirled on Bisbee, but he held up a hand. Don't start. You can vent when we're on our way. Rachel fumed. The boss restrained himself from smashing the transmitter array to pieces. Fucking pack that up, he yelled at his driver. The young woman leapt from the ATV and immediately started breaking down the array. The boss lifted a handheld calm to his mouth. Someone tell me something good, he barked. He was met with nothing but static. If someone doesn't respond with good news, I can guarantee none of you will live through the day. Um... Hansen and me think we's found a trail, boss, a voice squawked. Good, the boss growled. Where are you two at? 
near Smalley Gulch. We need to keep moving, June said. Is it almost charged? Olivia, sitting in the ATV's passenger seat, a still sleeping child in her arms, looked at the ATV's dashboard. No, looks like it'll still be another hour. Shit, June said. You should get some rest, Eliz Olivia whispered. June stared from the shadows of the rock outcropping where they were hidden, kicking at the cable running from the small solar panel to the ATV absentmindedly. I'm afraid to rest. I don't think I could get back up. The older child, resting in the back seat, sat up suddenly, head cocked and listening. Hansen stopped the ATV and grabbed the pair of binox out of Delroy's hands. He scanned the dry gulch below and tossed the binox back. I don't see shit, he complained. Delroy lifted the binox to his own eyes. He checked back and forth, finally focusing on one spot. There, right before it turns. He pulled the binox away and pointed. Hansen squinted. Nope, still don't. Oh, wait, yep. That shiny thing? I bet that's a charger, Delroy said, stepping from the ATV and retrieving his carbine. We better get down there and find out before the boss calls us again. June watched the kid listen for a moment. What do you hear? The child crawled from the ATV and June helped him to stand. His body was twisted and warped from being raised in a cage and he wobbled a bit on his feet. He pointed out into the waist, cocked his head again, and then pointed up out of the gulch. June patted him on the back and eased herself to the edge of the shadows to take a look. The second the light hit her face, a shot rang out and bits of rock shattered by her head. Fuck! Damn! Missed! Delroy cursed. Should we call the boss? Hansen asked. Shit, no! If we get down there and they's gone, we're fucking dead. Better he not know until we's got Slim's bodies bagged up. But boss said to not kill the Mackie bitch, didn't he? Hansen asked. Yeah, but that don't mean we can't kill the others. It's just an old woman in the breed feed, Delroy responded. Hansen grabbed his own carbine and surveyed the edge of the gulch. It ain't too steep. He stepped onto the grade and control slid his way down. Delroy slung his carbine and followed. Good morning, Caprizi greeted Mastolo. Good morning, Commander, Mastolo responded, turning towards those accompanying him. I've brought our council with me this morning to discuss some issues. Caprizi raised an eyebrow. Issues? I'm guessing not everyone wants to join forces with us. Mastolo chuckled, as well as a couple of the others. You are correct. Many do not see the benefit. Of course. It'd be foolish not to question, Caprizi said, gesturing to the transport. Let's meet inside before the heat gets too overbearing. The group laughed and Caprizi smiled. But I guess you folks are used to it. This is bullshit, Rachel grumbled as she powered up her mech. Cut your old man some slack, Bisbee said over the comm. He can't turn to the UDC brass anymore. He's got to be feeling pretty isolated. Yeah, but why take the risk of going after June? She deserted us. Because we need every damn mech pilot we can get. Think for fuck's sake, we're it. We don't know what's happened to Masters or Jay or the Rookie, and we have no idea if Matthew made it to Windy City or not. Rachel was silent. Oh, sorry, Rach. Bisbee muttered. I'm detecting heavy activity on the relay net, Shiner said. Yeah? Like what activity? Matthew asked. 
unclear. We'd have to risk detection to fully assess. You know what? Fuck it. I think being fully informed is worth the risk. If the outsider just keeps getting stronger, then sooner or later it'll be able to find us, relay or no relay. Shiner processed. I do not fully agree, but I do not have a better alternative. Shiner Matthew reconnected to the relay net. Holy fuck! Matthew yelled mentally. That's a whole lot of deader minds. They are massing for something, Shiner said. I am sensing movement, Stomper stated. In the cavern? Masters yawned. More zombies? No, it is coming from the wasteland, Stomper answered. The ground is vibrating considerably. Masters processed the data that Stomper was detecting. Hmm. I didn't know better. I'd say that was an army. I mean, listen to it. Sounds like thousands of feet and... Wheels? Master Stomper turned towards the direction of Foggy Bottom and focused the scanners. It's coming from that direction, Stomper said. Well, I'm tired of just sitting here and waiting. What do you say we go check it out? Masters asked. If we do find June, Rachel said, I can't promise I won't kick the shit out of her. Well, I hear that, Bisbee replied. Whether directly or indirectly, she led to Steve's death. And as much as I hated that man's blueberries, he didn't deserve that. Rachel laughed a little. God, those muffins were horrible. The two mechs, motor drives engaged, moved across the wasteland quickly, the wasteland heat shimmering across their exoskeletons. I take it back, Rachel said. I have a feeling June has already paid for everything she's done. Who knows what those cannibal fucks have done to her. Give me your pistol, June said to Olivia as she helped the woman and two deformed children find better cover back in the shadows, putting the ATV between them and the direction the shot came from. Olivia handed June the pistol. We don't have much ammo. Don't worry, if I need more bullets than what's already in here, then we are fucked, June responded. She saw the looks in the children's eyes and smiled weakly. Don't worry, this is what I do for a living. Or did, at least. June crouched low and scooted towards the edge of the shadows. Yep, that's a charger, Hansen whispered as both he and Delroy, carbines at their shoulders, slowly approached the bend in the gulch. Neither man got a chance to step closer as June rolled from her cover, took aim, and fired her pistol. Delroy caught two bullets in the gut while Hansen collapsed instantly with a hole between his eyes. You fucking bitch! Jelroy screamed, falling to his knees, his hands holding his own intestines. June approached casually and planted a kick squarely into Delroy's insides. He fell over screaming and continued to scream as June ground down on his guts. A small woman spoke first. We understand your situation, Commander, but many of us do not see how your peril truly affects us. Caprizi smiled and leaned forward. It is no longer about us and them, or about you and me. Whatever is going on out there is bigger than all of us. I truly believe that if we do not band together, the fate of the human race is sealed. But what proof do you have? A young man asked. We do not know you, and you did not know of us until yesterday. Why should we trust you? The ATV flew over hills and across the wasteland as the boss spoke into his handheld calm. Delroy! What you got for me? The boss waited, but there was no response. Delroy, answer me, boy, or I swear you'll end up like chunks. The boss was answered by a loud crack coming from the comm, then the sound of June's voice. 
Delroy is like chunks. Except for the junk in the mouth part. June laughed. Did you like that, boss? I figured you could appreciate the aesthetic of a good genital mutilation. I'm gonna gut you, bitch, the boss growled. Yeah, I don't think so, June responded to the boss's threat. You keep forgetting I'm a mech pilot, UDC trained and tested. You think a crazy fuck like you can take me down? You won't get far with that old cunt and those little meals slowing you down. Now is that any way to speak about your own mother? June started stripping Delroy and Hanson of their weapons. You don't get it, do you? You are so used to isolation that you think we all are. But it isn't true. I have a home. I just forgot for a bit. Jethro, if you please, the commander said. Jethro wheeled forward and handed each of the Skinners a tablet. I put together a vid briefing so you all would be up to speed on the situation. Jethro began tapping at his own tablet. It's only a few minutes long, but you'll get the idea quickly. Caprizi leaned back and watched as Mastolo and his people viewed the vid. Security footage of the UDC troops turning into zombies filled the small screens, then of the ranchers' takeover of the base, and finally the intercepted communication between the bishop and the boss. Master Stomper crested the small hill and looked out at the expanse of wasteland. Well, we don't really need scanners to analyze that shit, Master said sarcastically. But the scanners do give us an accurate count of the forces, Stomper replied. I was just kidding, Master's choked. You're going to have to learn sarcasm or we will never work, Stomper processed. The need for ironic humor when faced with overwhelming odds is puzzling. Yeah, well, you'll learn, Master's responded quite serious now as he watched several dozen transports and what looked like thousands upon thousands of zombies march across the wasteland plain. My God! Matthew exclaimed. How many are there? It appears to be every single citizen inoculated, including all UDC troops, Shiner responded. All of them? Matthew gasped. Yes, all of them. Shiner Matthew processed the information streaming through the relay net. Where the fuck are they going? Matthew asked. The possibilities are too numerous, Shiner replied. Let's narrow it down, shall we? Matthew chided. They are coming from their respective city-states, correct? Yes. Then what is between all of them and their points of departure? Shiner processed. Many things. Matthew sighed. But what is the most significant choice? The UDC stronghold. We don't know why the UDC has inoculated the city-state populations, nor why their troops are assisting the ranchers, Caprizi said as the Skinners finished watching the vid briefing. But we do know it's not because they want to make new friends. Mastolo and the Council looked at each other warily. We cannot commit all of our people, Mastolo finally said. No, of course not. And we cannot arm all of your people, Caprizi responded. We can only arm about 80 of your people. That doesn't seem like an adequate number. The small woman stated. No, it's not, Caprizi said. We can't handle that many, Master said. No, we cannot, Stomper agreed as they returned to the cavern mouth. We need to find Jay and the Rookie and return to the base, Master stated as the massive mech knelt down and reached into the cavern, and we'll need this. After a couple attempts, Master Stomper was able to remove the salvage mech from the cavern without damage. 
The new mech stood upright, the smaller mech held in its fist. Now, how do we find Jay? Masters mused. The sensors show an underground river, Stomper responded. They may have escaped that way. And what the fuck is up with her pretending to be me? Rachel asked. Pretty smart move, in my opinion, Bisbee replied. It made her valuable and kept her alive. Whatever, Rachel grumbled. Okay, I I've got to stop trashing her. Bisbee stayed silent, knowing Rachel wasn't finished. But Jesus fuck, she gets under my skin, Rachel continued, and I don't know why. Rachel sighed and checked her navigation readings. We're not even close yet, are we? Nope. Bisbee responded. Might as well do some system tests while we have the time. Want to read the checklist? Yeah, sure, whatever. Rachel responded. You think you can track the river through the ground and find where it comes out? Masters asked. Yes, our scanners are easily strong enough, Stomper responded. Well, let's get on it. Oh, shit, Masters paused. Maddie and Shiner won't know where to find us. We can try to contact them via the relay net, but that will give our position away. Our position will be compromised the moment that army crests the hill. Good point, Masters conceded. You aren't as basic as you think. Complexity can sometimes get in the way of answers, Stomper replied. Hmm, well said, Masters agreed. Why are they all headed to the UDC stronghold? Matthew asked. I believe that is where the outsider originates from, Shiner answered, which may mean outsider is a misnomer. Maybe we should call it big fucking ugly in my head, Matthew joked. Hey guys, Masters called over the net. Listen, we... Jesus! Is it me or did the relay net get way crowded? It appears every inoculated human has become connected and active, Shiner explained. Yeah, we just saw the foggy bottom contingent heading our way, Masters said. So we grab Jay's mech and are on search and rescue now. Do you have our coordinates? Masters asked. Yep, we're just in course and heading that way. Keep us posted, Matthew answered. And go ahead and stay connected. It doesn't really matter anymore now that the entire wasteland is about to be caught up in a net of debtors. No place to hide, really. Have you tried contacting the base? Masters asked. No, not yet, Matthew responded. It's easy for us to talk, but I'm not sure if we can access the base comm system. Open channel? No, too risky. Everyone can hear that. Ranchers, boilers, everyone. Yeah, that's true. Masters agreed. Yes, send it through, Deacon Montoya said over his comm. He tapped at his console and brought up a new image on the windshield. Bishop, your grace. What is it now, Deacon? Is it more disappointing news from the boiler? No, Your Grace, we have received information that two of the mech pilots have been located in the wasteland. And, well, they... You hesitate, Deacon. Please do tell. Bishop Weibel sat up, interested. Well, Your Grace, they have somehow merged with the demons. The bishop stared at Montoya for a moment. I'm sorry, Deacon, I must have misunderstood you. Merged? You know, we're already long gone from where you think we are, June taunted over the handheld. The wasteland isn't big enough for you to hide from me, you fucking bitch, the boss roared. Oh, I'm not going to be hiding, but you may want to. If I do see you again, I won't be as quick as I was with Chunks. The boss punched the ATV's dashboard, then turned and punched the young woman driving. The ATV swerved dangerously, but the driver regained her composure. 
Watch where you're going, you fucking idiot, the boss screamed. Temper, temper, June mocked. Commander Caprizi pointed at his tablet. The mech base is here, and we are here. The council looked at their tablets, then back at Caprizi. I don't know how many vehicles you have, Caprizi continued, but if we could have three of your people armed per vehicle, then I think we can stage a decent assault. Mastelow and the council looked from one to the other, confused. I am sorry, Commander, but I think you have the wrong impression of our resources, Mastelow said. We do not have vehicles. Jethro and Caprizi stared for a moment. No vehicles? Jethro asked. Shit! Return to the base, Montoya, the bishop commanded. I must be presentable when His Holiness the Archbishop arrives. And I need a secure comm line so I can contact our UDC brethren. This merged mech development is quite troubling. Yes, Your Grace, Deacon Montoya responded as his console beeped. It appears the boss is trying to communicate. That boiler is barely capable of grunting, let alone full communication, the bishop rolled his eyes and sighed. Put him through, Deacon. Of course, Your Grace. You better have good news, boss, the bishop hissed. I think I do, the boss responded. Think the Caprizi whore is heading home, the boss shouted above the wind as he steadied the transmitter array in the back of the moving ATV. You think, replied the bishop. That's what I fucking said, ain't it? The boss snapped. Pull the cocks out of your ears and listen up. The mech bitch is coming right to you. Oh, well then I guess we don't need your assistance anymore, boiler, the bishop laughed. Oh, I think you do, the boss said. Unless you want my people's sole goal in life to be attacking rancher transports every time they leave. Hey, Biz, did you catch that? Rachel asked over the comm. Yeah, we must be close enough to pick up on their transmissions, Bisbee responded. And it sounds like we're heading the wrong way. June has no idea the base has been overrun. I know, I know, Bisbee replied. But we have no idea which way she's coming from. We can't intercept her. Should we head back and let the commander know? Rachel asked. Probably should. This is all turned into one big giant shit show, Bisbee growled. It always is with June, Rachel replied. The two mechs reversed course. Harlow sat in her mech, cockpit open to the hot wasteland wind. Below her, she could hear the zombies pounding at their confinement in the transport storage compartment. Hey, Doc, Harlow called. Yes, Harlow, Thermopolis responded over the comm. What has the commander said about those fucking debtors? I haven't had a chance to ask him, Harlow. He's been a bit busy. Well, we gotta do something. I'm gonna go fucking nuts with all that noise. Yes, you've made that perfectly clear, Thermopolis laughed. Well, apparently I haven't been clear enough since the debtors are still banging away. No vehicles is going to make an assault on the base difficult, Caprizi sighed. What if we don't attack them, but make them come to us? Jethro said, all eyes turned on the wheelchair-bound mechanic. If we can get most of their forces to bring the fight here, that would leave the base exposed. We win the fight and keep some of their transports intact, then retake the base. A solid plan, except it exposes where we live, the young man said angrily. You can't hide forever, Caprizi stated. At some point, you have to face the world. Hey guys, Jethro here. Jethro's voice squawked over the comm. What the fuck are you doing, Jethro? I thought we needed to keep calm silence, Bisbee barked. 
Change of plans, Jethro responded. The threat isn't pursuing, and we're pretty sure we aren't their target anymore. What? None of that makes, Rachel started. We've gathered some new intel. Just head back to camp. You'll be briefed then. Understood? No, I don't un fucking understand, Bisbee yelled. Let me talk to the commander. He's occupied. You guys are just going to have to trust me on this. We're on our way, Jethro, Rachel said. Your grace? What is it now, deacon? Bishop Weibel snapped, removing his eye shade. My apologies for interrupting your rest, your grace, but Reverend Dell just reported that they intercepted a communication over the mech base's secure comm channel, Deacon Montoya reported. They were able to triangulate the location of Caprizi's camp. We know where they are, your grace. The bishop rubbed his hands together. Wonderful, deacon. Have all transports readied immediately, and have word sent to the archbishop that I may miss his arrival as I plan on leading the assault on the mech heathens personally. Yes, your grace. Damn, this freaking river goes on and on and on, Masters complained as he and Stomper followed the sensor readings. There better be headroom down there if they did take this route, otherwise they're going to be holding their breath for a long time. You talk a lot, Stomper replied. Um, that was random, Masters chuckled. Yeah, tell me about it, Matthew interrupted. We've never been able to get him to shut up. Hey, Masters exclaimed. Are you guys listening? No fair. Get out of our heads. That would not be wise, Shiner responded. Communication is key to our survival. By the way, as much as you think you are the center of the universe, we weren't listening, Matthew said. We were about to let you know we picked up communications among the UDC debtors about routing transports and troops deep into the wasteland. Yeah, so? They're all being routed, Masters responded. Yes, but it sounds like they're going after our folks. I have confirmed that the ranchers are readying their forces and the UDC troops available to them. They are planning an assault on Commander Caprizi and anyone with him, Shiner said. Well, that sucks, Masters said. Looks like it's working, Jethro informed Caprizi. The ranchers in UDC at our base are mobilizing. All right, then we have maybe a day, Caprizi replied. Time to get to work. He turned to Mastelo and the council. Bring me your best fighters, the ones with the best eye. Today they learn to shoot. Mastelo stood and the council followed. And when this is over, we can count on your assistance and protection in giving my people a home outside of the deep? Yes, you have my word, Caprizi answered, extending his hand. Mastelo grasped it and the two men shook. So if they've been found and we are certainly being tracked, then there is no reason to keep silent, is there? Matthew asked. It would appear not, Shiner responded. Well, then open the comm. Instantly, Shiner accessed and opened the mech comm system. We are connected. Commander Caprizi? Jethro? Anyone out there? This is Pilot Jespers. Come in. Maddie? Jethro replied. Is that you? Holy shit! Hey, Jethro. Good to hear your voice. No shit, man. Where the fuck are you? We're a ways from you folks. We? Who else is with you? Um, you're going to want to get Caprizi. Caprizi here. It's good to know I can count you among the living, pilot. Hey, me too, Masters interrupted. Mitch? Baby, is that you? Harlow interrupted. You bet your sweet tits it is. And guess what? I've got a brand new mech. And it's fucking huge. We are huge, Stomper corrected. Right, sorry. 
We are huge. Pilots? Who's with you? Caprizi asked, caution in his voice. What new mech? Yeah, that's going to have to wait, sir, if Masters can keep his trap shut, Matthew responded. Sorry, I'll let you two speak. Two? What is going on? Caprizi barked. Listen, I can't go into too much detail, but you have Rancher and UDC transports coming your way. Caprizi glanced at Jethro and put a finger to his lips for the mechanic to stay quiet. We do? Yes, sir, but it gets worse. Worse? How? Sir, every single person that was inoculated is now dead and walking. I'm sorry, pilot. Did you say every person? Caprizi asked. Yes, sir. All city-states have been overtaken, and if they didn't comply, they were destroyed. Windy City is gone, sir. And Foggy Bottom is now a deader army on the march, Masters added. Yes, sir, we have confirmed that there are hundreds of thousands of debtors moving across the wasteland, Matthew said. If you push scanners to full, you should be able to pick up some of them. Jethro immediately began tapping at his tablet. Jesus fuck, he's right, sir. I've got at least 20,000 coming at us. Caprizi looked at Mastelow and the council. You'll need to move quickly. You can count on us, Mastelow affirmed as they left the transport. Matthew, Masters, I want you on me now, Caprizi ordered. No can do, sir, Matthew responded. You better explain yourself, pilot. Well, sir, I've got myself in a bit of a tech mess, Matthew said. Masters and I are on our way to find Jay and the rookie. Jay? You lost Jay? Jethro asked. We were separated when the hill stomper attacked and the cavern mouth caved in. Then the storm came and I went all blacky-outy and... Thank you, pilot Masters. We get it. Jay is missing, Caprizi interrupted. And the rookie, too, Masters added. That boy saved our asses. You'll never guess what he can do. Holy shit! I'll await the report. Now about this tech mess, Matthew? Harlow? Do you hear anything? Thermopolis asked. Hold on, Harlow said, muting her calm. Hear what? Exactly. The zombies in storage have gone quiet. I'll be right down. Harlow grabbed the sawed-off pump-action shotgun she kept in her cockpit and descended her mech. Thermopolis walked cautiously to the transport storage compartment and waited for Harlow. So why do you think they stopped kicking? Harlow asked, leveling the shotgun at the compartment door. I don't know, Thermopolis replied. We address Commander Caprizi only, four monotone voices said in unison from the compartment. Harlow pumped her shotgun. Holy fucking shit! Unless I find Jay, I'm stuck in a mech cockpit for the rest of my life, Matthew said. I understand your situation, Matthew, but I want you and Masters joining us immediately, Caprizi ordered. I'll stay and keep looking for them, Masters said. My scanners are the only ones strong enough to track the river anyway. Plus, I'm not hooked into the net as extensively as Maddie and Shiner. No, Caprizi ordered flatly. You'll return also. With all due respect, sir, I just went through some crazy shit with those two, and I'm not leaving them out here. Masters responded. Caprizi pinched the bridge of his nose in frustration. Masters, I have given you a direct order. And I am ignoring that order, sir, Masters replied. You'll have to shoot me when this is all over. Oh, for fuck's sakes, Masters, you know I'm not going to have you shot. Just get your ass here now. Sir, you have got to come out here, Thermopolis interrupted over the comm. I'm a little busy, Doctor, Caprizi responded. The zombies in storage are speaking, sir. Caprizi sighed.
Of course they are. They want to speak to you directly. Of course they do. Caprizi stepped from the transport and approached Thermopolis and Harlow. Fine. Masters, you continue searching. But Matthew, I want you on me right fucking now. Yes, sir, both pilots responded. Oh, and Masters, Caprizi continued. Yes, sir, fuck you. Understood, sir. The commander stood looking at the storage compartment. Well? Harlow kicked the door. We address Commander Caprizi directly, the voices said. Caprizi put the heel of his hand to his forehead and pulled his sidearm. That's more than a little unsettling. No shit, Harlow responded. Well, doctor, will you do the honors? Harlow and I will have you covered. Thermopolis yanked the storage compartment open and leapt back. Caprizi and Harlow, pistols ready, watched the four body bags shake themselves free of the compartment and fall to the ground. We address Commander Caprizi directly, they repeated. Speaking, who the hell are you? We are the hundreds of thousands. We are the one. We are the outsider. How about I just call you fuckhead, Caprizi said. The bags convulsed. For that insult, you will not become part of the one. You will not get the glory of joining the outsider. You, you, you. I think I broke them, Caprizi said. You cannot break what is all-knowing, all-seeing, the debtors chorused. So what do you want, Caprizi asked, for all to be one and to undo the great wrong? You want us to submit to your control? You will submit or you will die. Yeah, well, fuck you, Caprizi said as he stepped forward and silenced each body with a headshot. Harlow, burn those. Yes, sir. Hey, Jethro, Caprizi called, stepping to the transport door. Open all channels. Sir, you heard me. I'm done with this chaotic bullshit. Time to bring some order back to this fucking hellhole. Caprizi cleared his throat. Attention, inhabitants of the Wasteland. This is Base Commander James Caprizi. I just want to let everyone, living and undead, know that I will no longer put up with your fucking games. I will no longer put up with the cults, cannibals, the mindless killers and thieves. I will no longer allow myself or my people to be the Wasteland's bitches, always having to clean up everyone else's mess. So come and get us if you dare. We'll be right here. Oh, and outsider, after I kick every last motherfucker's ass, I'm coming for you. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at PeculiarComics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech.
Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.